Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, good looking. Why is a nice boy like you listening to a podcast like this? Take this down, hot stuff. Record Rangers is part of the Daily Record Podcast Network. Subscribe at iTunes or Audio Boom. Mwah. Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by Scott McDermott. On the pod today, we look back at Ratgate and ask, what now for Rangers, Kenny Miller and Pedro Cushina? We discuss the removal of the Ibrox stairway banners. We ask if Rangers have dodged a bullet as the SFA compliance officer disregards allegations of a deliberate elbow from Carlos Peña against Hamilton. And finally, it's been 10 years since Rangers beat Lyon in France 3-0 and we look back at that game and a remarkable campaign. Scott, Ratgate... What is your understanding of events? Um, God, I mean, it's an incredible story, Johnny, when you, when you think about it now, you know, those pictures when you see Kenny Miller playing in that, that game down at, down at Brentford with the, with the young boys. Um, and I think it was, I think the kind of first thought was that Kenny was going to go down and, and help Graham Murty and kind of mentor the, the young boys because obviously he wants to get into coaching, but... To actually see him playing in the game with the kids kind of really brought home uh, how damaged the, the relationship clearly is between him and Pedro Cushina. Um Listen, none, none of us know whether Kenny Miller was the you know, the guy who was who leaked this story. To, and of, to, of to, Keith, to, Keith to Jackson, who broke, who broke the story, obviously says it wasn't so, Kenny yeah, Miller. Uh, and, and you need to take that obviously at face value but clearly Pedro Cuxinha's had a had a problem with it um, I, my general feeling on the whole situation um, is that Kenny Miller has clearly decided very early on in Pedro Cuxinha's reign that he doesn't fancy him basically as a, as a coach or as a as a manager um, we did several press conferences with, with Kenny um, after Cushinha had arrived and at the start of this season and as much as he would never um, you know, slate his own manager in public there was always a feeling among us that he wasn't quite as effusive in his praise of Cushinha, um or his work um, as you might have expected It was in stark contrast to how he was about Mark Warburton who he was always glowing about Yeah, it was it was I remember even when uh, at the start of this season when the, the first couple of arrivals came in, it was like Dalcio and, and Cardozo and, and people like that. And, no, I was at Murray Park that day and you expected Kenny Miller to be you know, kind of talking these guys up. You know, they were going to be the, they were going to be the kind of backbone of this new new team that was being built. And uh, he just wasn't. No, he, he was very kind of downbeat about it, which was surprising. So I, I think Kenny made his mind up 
fairly early on. I think he's probably uh, had to kind of suck it up initially and see how see how things went. But I think dropping him from the the Partick Thistle game when he left him out the squad altogether and said they'd given him time to spend with the family. <clears throat> then fast forward to the Old Firm game and he's he's on the bench. You no, know, he's, he's supposed to be Rangers standing skipper and kind of talisman if you like uh, and he's on the bench against Celtic I think that has been the, the straw that's, that's brought the camels back in terms of their relationship and they've obviously they've obviously had words behind closed doors and now you have to I mean the official line from Rangers on Saturday when, when I asked the club um, about Kenny's kind of situation was that the door was very much still open for him. He hadn't played his last game for Rangers, uh, not at all. That wasn't the manager's the manager's view. Um, hadn't closed the door uh, at all. But from the outside, it's now very difficult to see how Kenny Miller comes back from it. The, the performance at Hamilton, despite not being brilliant, it was still a 4-1 away victory. The team showed a lot of character that night, a lot of togetherness. Everyone saw the, the celebrations after... Daniel Kandias goal when they all rushed to Kashinia. So at the moment, it's very difficult to see how Kenny Miller's going to play again for Pedro Kashinia. Coming up for 38 years old, he's only got just over six months left his, his contract to run. Um, obviously, that will depend on Pedro Kashinia's future and, and what, how long he, he remains at Rangers, but it's certainly difficult to see a way back for him now. It's, you've been in the media a long time, Scott. If Pedro Cusina was to take Kenny Miller back into the team and start playing him again, how do you think that would be perceived by the pundits and commentators that are in the media at the moment? Um, I think they would be surprised, but no, if Pedro Cusina came out and explained, or if he came out and explained that he'd sat down with Kenny Miller and they'd had it out, you know, they'd, they'd kind of aired their, their differences or their grievances. And well, let's be honest, I mean, Rangers aren't. Kenny Miller's still a good player. I know he's been off for him this season, but Rangers aren't really in a position where they can disregard guys like that. They, they need the, the position Rangers are in. They need every good player they can get, and they need everyone pulling in the, the same direction, which is obviously the key thing because Pedro clearly feels Kenny isn't. But no, there's of course there's still a chance of Pedro just... if they sit down together, have it out. Uh, no. There, there could be a way back from, but but it's just difficult to see that just now. I just wonder if it'd be characterised as weakness, given how he's been characterised already, or how he perceives and Rangers fans sometimes perceive that he's been portrayed. I, I, I don't think so. I think Pedro's already proved that he can be a strong character by. Uh, I think he's already proved he's a strong character by coming in and pretty much wiping out Mark Warburton's entire squad. Now, I know a lot of managers like to get their own players in but he clearly looked at that squad that Warburton had assembled guys like Rob Kiernan Harry Forrester you know, to name just a couple and decided right for the off no, you're not for me you're, you're not good enough um, and to be honest the, the club and him you have to say have done a pretty decent job in getting rid of getting rid of most of them um, so I, th- I think he's already proved he's a strong character the Miller situation has proved that he won't he won't stand for any nonsense. He won't stand for any, you know, perceived bad apples, you no, know, in the in the changing room. Um, but I think if if he came out 
and said publicly that no, he'd sat down with Kenny Miller and they'd, they'd discussed the situation and he was now happy to give him another chance. He would need to fight his way back into the team like any other player. Uh, then I think most people, including the fans, would, would, would accept that. Do you see Kenny staying at Rangers for the rest of his contract if they don't resolve things? Do you, do you, can you see him sitting on the bench, uh, sitting in the stand, uh, working with the kids for the, the next six months? Because I, I, I wonder about that. I can because I don't really see where he would go. No, for six months, Kenny Miller's not the type. I mean, that's he's not going to go. To, he's not going to go to Falkirk for, I think for six months. Maybe. Um, because that was mooted, wasn't it, when his contract was... Yeah, it was, but I mean, you look at the strikers Hibs have got, uh, I mean, I think Simon Murray's a bit like, like a young Kenny Miller, no, and he's, uh, when he came through at Hibs, no, full of energy, no, can play that kind of lone front man, no, uh, with that kind of work rate, no, and desire, no, he's touching that, might not, be, might not be brilliant, but he's actually quite similar, so they've got the likes of Simon Murray, Stokes... Yeah, Matalavicious people like that, so easy for you to say. I know. I'm glad I hope I got that right. Uh, so they're pretty well covered. I just don't see Kenny just doesn't strike me as the type. Man, is he going to go to Hibs and play every week? I don't think so. Is he going to drop down a level? No. Does he go to like the Championship? As I say, and play for a Dundee United or a Falkirk for six months? I wonder if he might be interested in the Kilmarnock job. Possibly. I mean, that that's the interesting thing. When you're asking, is he going to stay at Rangers? longer than the, than the six months he's got left. I mean, up until fairly recently, Kenny Miller was adamant that you no, know, he was desperate to get into coaching. He was wanting to help out with under-20s. In my own mind, I thought Kenny Miller will play this season and then that will be the role for him. You no, know, Rangers will have a role for, for everything he's done for the club, you knowing the, the, the three separate spells he's had. It just seemed like a natural progression that he would get into the, the coaching department. I mean, they've already got so many ex-players in there now that that seems to be a road that they, they want to get down with, with people like Peter Lovenkrans and that, mm. uh, getting, a, getting a gig. So I thought that would be the route Kenny would take. Um, and that still might might happen. Um, no, is Kenny Miller thinking now, I'll just ride this out and in six months' time, the manager might not be here, it might be another manager if things if things go pear-shaped in the second half of this season. I think ultimately he will be there for the next six months until his contract runs out and he'll see where he's at, where Pedro Cachinha's at, where the club's at and then and then contemplate his next next move. Okay, moving on to the removal of the Ibrox stairway banners. Um, it's been a hot topic on social media. I'm going to read you the statement that the club released on this. They said, The wraparound banners at both ends of the main Ibrox stand are to be taken down. The glass stairwells had been dressed during the Commonwealth Games for promotional purposes and the thinking was to look at a branding exercise which would also highlight the potential for partner sponsors to utilise the space in future. This purpose has now been served, and so the banners will be coming down today. What what did you think about the banners? Obviously, um, they've been up for about uh, six weeks or something like that, um, and their potential use in futures for sponsorship, because it's essentially a, a, an iconic facade that they're covering. Yeah. I, I was surprised when the banners went up initially, I must admit. Just because, as you say, to me... Um, no, I'm 30, 37 years old, so in my lifetime, uh, those uh, 
know, stairwells leading up to the club deck at Ibrox are, are now very much part of that iconic main stand. And you know, to me, uh, as I say, they're just a, a big part of you know, Ibrox as a stadium and people who, you know, the, the supporters, certainly since those banners went up, everything I'd heard from supporters, whether it be... Uh, kind of online or, or just people that, that I knew no they weren't happy with it no, mm. because they thought it did kind of no, kind of devalue the, the, the facade if you like so I was surprised when they went up um, when I did hear kind of no, kind of grumbles for the fans I expected the club would take them down um, sooner than, than, than what they have done um, personally I don't like them no I wouldn't like to see them up long term however you're reading that statement there, and ultimately in modern day football, we all know about stadium naming rights and, and stuff like that. Rangers need all the money they can get, like any Scottish club. So if there's potential there for uh, advertising or bringing money in, as long as it doesn't devalue it too much, then of course I think the club has to look at that, and I think fans begrudgingly would maybe accept that. I mean, if Rangers said, listen, we, we can make a million pounds or a couple of million pounds for selling this this space you know, and putting these banners up, then you, you need to look at it. In the modern day game, you have to look, explore all those oppor- opportunities. But ultimately, I think it's a good thing that, that they're coming down. I think the fans will be pretty pleased about it. Yeah. I think it's it shows that there's actually some creative thinking going on behind the scenes because you would, I would never have thought of that. And no. That goes to show you that they that they are looking to explore all the avenues possible to make the club a, a commercial success as much yeah. as possible. Um, and if the if the fans, I think, have to swallow the odds slightly better pill yeah, because yeah. because of that, then I totally agree with you. I think it's the yeah. right thing to do if they can if they can get in a good amount of money. And um, I think the stadium naming rights is slightly different because of the Ibrox disaster. I think Ibrox is sacrosanct for Rangers fans, yeah. and, and I think they have to be they, that be have to, that'd have to be treated with a lot more sensitivity. Yeah, definitely. No, nobody for the real big clubs, and no, you include Rangers and Celtic, and that no, yeah. Man United, Liverpool. For fans of those clubs, that's just a no go. It's, it's different. With all due respect to like a Bournemouth, you no, know, the Vitality Stadium or, or whatever it's called, yeah. that that's different. Um, Although Arsenal, the Emirates, of course, they're probably yeah. probably one of the biggest. Yeah. Um, and and it's strange now because no, you just call it the Emirates. It just you don't even think of it as a as a sponsor's name now. You know, you just think that's the name of Arsenal's ground. Um, but that's slightly different because obviously you move away from Highbury. It's a totally new stadium. You know, staying in, in, in your your own stadium, the same stadium, I think you're right that those for the real big clubs, um it's sacrosanct that the punters just wouldn't wouldn't be having that at all. Yeah. Um I'm gonna ask you now about the Carlos Pena elbow against Hamilton. What what did you make of that incident? We've not obviously spoken since that game. We did a podcast. Yeah. But I was on with Mark McDougall. I, th- I think he's a lucky boy. Um I mean, there's three different occasions where he, he could have been sent off. He should have been off, sent maybe. off, 100%. I mean, the tackle, when he took the, the, the god-awful touch in, in the middle of the park and he got the yellow card for the tackle, could have easily been a red. And then the have, second touch is a tackle often. It is. His first o- touch is uh, the yeah, complete opposite of Barry Mackay, isn't don't, it? Don't get me started on that again. <laughs> um, and also, once he's already been booked, 
he then has the, the handball, didn't he? In, yep. in the box, which looked pretty clear as well as a deliberate handball, but the ref the ref had a bit of a shocker, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think Carlos Peña was the only guy that had a worse game than the referee that <laughs> night. So um I think he's a lucky boy. Um there was a obviously a question mark whether the compliance officer was going to look at it or not. The cynics will say, No, Scott Brown maybe get away with a, an elbow in the old firm game, albeit I don't think that was quite as, as nasty as the, the Peña one. Um, so he's decided, maybe Tony McGlenn's decided to leave it alone. But I think in general, Peña can uh, can count himself pretty fortunate that he's no, he's not got a suspension coming up. What are your thoughts on the compliance officer as it stands? Because we seem to go from one extreme to the other, wildly, season to season. Um, I'm personally quite sympathetic about the trail by TV argument because I think that it's grossly unfair on Raiders and Celtic who are by far the highest profile clubs. They're those are the games that are poured yeah. over to the nth degree. They get the most coverage. They get the most coverage. You've got them on BT Sport where they've got you know forty five minutes after the game to pour over the instance in detail. Yeah. Whereas if you've got Hamilton versus Ross County, you've got maybe one camera on the game. It means that there's a different uh, set of uh, criteria for one team yeah. and the other. And I don't think that's that's fair. And uh, you know, but the, but the SFA will say that it's not trial by sports. They're adamant that that's not the case. Um, I'm a bit confused by the the whole thing because I think the official line from the SFA is that an incident has to be reported to the to the compliance officer. Mm. But by whom? No, can it be any Tom, Dick, or Harry? Can it be, no, can somebody for Hamilton phone up and no accuse Carlos Pena? It's I don't really like the system. I, I think there's a place for the compliance officer. Of course, there is for for uh, no highlighting incidents yep. like that and no retrospective punishment and stuff like that. But the process of how it gets to the compliance officer, I think, has to be has to be tidied up. Um, but I agree with you. There's far more. It's far more likely that a Rangers or Celtic player will be cited because, as you say, if their highlights are on for a longer uh, time, um, if they have been shown on you know, the most kind of platforms, whether it be online or, or on TV, the likelihood is that somebody will report it. It's more likely that they'll be reported. So it is a wee bit unfair in that regard, but I think the system has to be, has to be tidied up a wee bit. While we're on <laughs> Carlos Pena, um, <laughs> let's have a chat about F1 Juarez, the former Celtic and Mexico international, is now playing in Mexico again. Um, he's been in the record today saying that we need to give the guys that are there time. How long does it take to adapt? Because I'm old enough to remember Mark Haitley arriving at Ibrox and he punted, so he punted Ali McCoy State, the team. It was Haitley and um, Mo Johnson up front yeah. and Mark Haley let me tell you he was already he looked was bad terrible. for the first three four months and that was only coming from Monaco <laughs> <laughs> he'd been at AC Milan and Monaco yeah. where he played under Wenger and and the, I actually remember Paul Gascoigne being similar Paul Gascoigne when he first started I don't know if you remember there was a game against Aberdeen where he, he should have been sent off about four times it was like a Peña style performance and he head butted yeah, yeah. players John Ingles John Ingles it yeah. was I and he was just having a really bad time. It took we're, even we're Paul... Not, we're not comparing Carlos Peña Look, Paul he's the new Gaza. No, I'm not comparing <laughs> at all. I'm not comparing at all. I'm just talking about players who are 
at a level that these guys will never get to, that they struggled. Of course it, listen, of course it takes time to settle when you go to any new club, especially when you're going into a different country, a different style of football. But Johnny, you you have to see signs from people. You have to know that they can trap a ball, they can pass it. I'm pretty sure, and I remember when Hayley came in, um, he took a lot of stick and his first touch wasn't great those first few games but I'm pretty sure no Rangers punters would have still seen something even that early to think well there's a, there's a player in there no, the level that he played at, even if it was just his, his aerial ability at, at that time no, you think well there's something to work on there um, it does take time the Mexicans will get time I mean we're already no, we're into October no, people will probably assess it come come January, you know, halfway through the season, right, how have they done? So they'll get a bit of time. I think the worrying thing for Rangers fans is that Peña and Herrera, to me, have shown very, very little um, to, to encourage the, the punters that, that they're going to get better, they're going to progress, they're going to be an asset to you moving forward. Um, and Peña, to be fair, that uh, the, the last game against Hamilton, he was terrible yeah. it was a truly dreadful performance yeah. and I think in his previous performances up until the Celtic game you were seeing little shoots but the Celtic game I don't think he did well and then the Hamilton game was, was it was terrible the, the other thing to say about Peña is I think we need to we need to get away from this uh, this kind of thing about his fitness No, I, I don't think that's an issue anymore no, he's fit. I think he's fit yeah. I mean you look at him I actually think in the Hamilton game he looked Pretty lean. No, he looked like a, not a proper midfield player until until he got the ball past him. Basically, um, so forget fitness. That can't be an issue now. I mean, Rangers have got top fitness coaches, Craig Flanagan, sports scientists, and people like that. They'll have got him up to a level of fitness. I don't agree with Pedro Cusinho's uh, claim that he's among the the fittest three at the club I would dispute that I think he was I think he was clever in what he said he was talking about a very specific exercise and drill wasn't right. he I'm not sure I mean I, I personally I think managers nowadays when it suits them hide behind these kind of GPS figures and, and stuff like that so I don't think he'll be among the fittest at the club but he's lean he's now at a level of fitness where he should be able to get into games and play for 90 minutes and play at a good a good level and a good standard I think far more worrying is his first touch. Does that, uh, does that play into the fact that we're playing the game here at a much faster pace? So you look at Mexican football, they've got a lot more time. It's more akin to Spanish football or South American football where it's a little bit slower, more about the build-up. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's difficult. Getting a ball fizzed into you on, on Hamilton's AstroTurf pitch isn't easy, <sighs> but... You're a two and a half million pound signing. No, you've played yeah. a World Cup for Mexico. The guys round about you, no, your Ryan Jacks, Graham Dorans, and that Declan John. I mean, they, they seem to handle it okay. Um, so there's no reason for Pena to put in that level of performance for me. Um, and also, I mean, he's playing in that role. We've touched on this before. He's he's a lucky boy in the sense that Pedro Cusini has given him a chance in there. Not giving him a lot of defensive responsibility. He's asking him to go in there, play in the hole behind Morelos, go and create something, you no, know, go and create a chance or score a goal. And he's just not doing it. And 
no, number tens, if you want to call them that, by their very nature, they're comfortable in the ball. I mean, a number ten should be able to get a hold of a ball, put his head up, shouldn't even have to look at the ball. Turn I mean, on the sixpence, which I, he can't do. His touch should be in that position. No, your touch is everything. So it's a big worry um, for Rangers. And to be honest, <coughs> Kishina has to be careful because if he perseveres with him, um, and we're talking about Pedro Kishina's future, if he perseveres with him and it continues to go badly, then Kishina could be looking at a situation where that his faith in this guy is going to cost him and could cost him his job. I've got a strategy for you, Scott, with Pena, because I do believe he has to play Pena to, to at least give him an opportunity to show what he can do for that price that he's paid. I think he should just play him at Ibrox, though. Right. I think he should give him the opportunity over the next couple of months, Ibrox games, maybe away if it's a if it's a softer tie, but yeah. tie against St Johnston at McDermott Park, you just you cannot have a player yeah. like Carlos Pena as a as a passenger on that side. You need people who are gonna put the foot in, he's not gonna be doing Especially that. Especially when you know Ryan Jack's gonna be suspended yeah. at Assen for that game, so how, how do they how do they cover that? Who, who how do you fit that midfield together? Um good question. I mean we're not sure of kind of injury updates in terms of Cranshaw and Rossiter, so we don't know if if they're going to be fit yet. Obviously, I think Jason Holt definitely comes yeah. in. Uh, might even bring that guy Kenny Miller back into the the, the, the midfield to play as the number ten. He's played in there before, so no, I don't know. I I think he probably will start Pena because, as you say. They're a bit short of bodies in there, and it seems to be that it's in Kishina's mind. I need to play this guy. He needs games. He needs minutes. He needs to get used to this style of football. So I need to throw him in. I need to throw him in at the deep end and hope that he, no, he somehow survives it and, and comes up with something. It's a no-win situation though because if he drops him, he gets slaughtered for not giving the boy a chance. You know, he's made, he's bought this dud in. Yeah. And if he if he plays him and he doesn't perform, then he's slaughtered. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it is a balance because, as I say, if he continues to play him and he goes badly, then it, it then turns on, on Kishina. Yeah. Um, I don't think your ideas... I think that's a decent shout, playing him at Ibrox. You know, if, if you are, you know, all due respect, home to a Kilmarnock, home to a Dundee or whatever, yeah. then that, that might allow him to bed in a little easier. But... Ultimately, he's going to play in these away games eventually, so maybe Pedro's right. You ju- you throw him in. No, it's a case of sink or swim, and you hope that you hope he can. He's come off of that Hamilton game, Pena, thinking I'm going to really need to uh, pull my socks up here, no, and, and and do something because you can't produce Rangers. The situation Rangers are in, they, they can't. They can ill afford the passengers, and that that's exactly what he is at the moment. What about Herrera? We've not really talked about Herrera very often in the podcast. We've not seen a lot of the guy. He's a big unit. He seems to have got a decent touch for a big guy. Certainly the goal that he scored at Ross County was a, a lovely finish. It was a lovely finish. But he's he's not quick and he's not mobile, so... I think we've touched on it. I mean, yeah. he, he just looks a bit cumbersome, a bit laboured to me. And the style of football that Rangers are wanting to play, I don't think his game's really... It seems it. like an odd signing with that in mind, doesn't it? It, does. it doesn't. He doesn't really have a place in the team. No, and I mean he started the first couple of games, didn't he? Like the he started Motherwell. Aye, uh, when Morelos wasn't quite kind of ready, and also Morelos yeah. just came in, hit the ground running, 
he's now seen as the, the kind of main striker. Maybe that's the argument. Maybe the argument is, you know, we signed this 20-year-old talent who we thought could come in over the course of the season, but he's been so explosive when he when he's come in that... That might be the answer to your previous question. What do you do in the St. Johnson game? You play Herrera and Morelos up front together. And you yeah. just go back to that kind of conventional four in midfield. So Dorans plays with Holt in the middle of the park. Yeah. Um, and St. Johnson... Well, without being unkind to them, they play a direct they do. game. And just basically match them up. <clears throat> which Rangers are going to be ready for. Yep. They will probably go 4-4-2 with like Cummings and McLean up front and they'll, they'll go direct to them. So you're right, maybe that's the answer. You go 4-4-2 and Herrera at least gives you that option of going going long if you need to. Rangers fans will want to know, is Michael O'Halloran eligible for that game? Pretty sure he's not. You, you would you would imagine that but Rangers would have to write that into the, the contract. Yeah, I, yeah. And I know the Champions League's different. You no, know, with the uh, like Celtic with, with Patrick Roberts last season and uh, Odson Edward this year, but I think the Champions League's a bit different. Um, that in terms of these domestic loans, I think it's the first thing you have it have it written written into the you have written into the deal because. The last thing Pedro Cassinha needs is, is Michael Halloran scoring a double against them. Um, one thing that I would like to touch back on about the Hamilton game, because we haven't discussed it directly, is Declan John. Terrific. Very, very good. I just wondered, at what point do you think Rangers have to start thinking about a deal for this boy? Because he is out of contract yep. at the end of the year, isn't he? So yep. he is, he's available. Well, if, if, I was, uh, if I was at Rangers... I'd be speaking to Cardiff in January. Um, they've obviously got the loan deal at the end of the season, so it's not a, a kind of pressing issue that is he, you need to chase it. What age is he? 23? Yeah. So they would be due compensation? Right. Is that, oh no, because it's cross-border, so they, they wouldn't be. Ah, I see. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think, as I say, it's maybe not a pressing issue just because you've got that security of the loan deal at the end of the season. But I think if Rangers are doing their job properly, and I'm assuming it's Mark Allen that will do this kind of... Uh, these kind of things now you would be speaking to Cardiff surely in January and saying can we do a deal for this boy either to, they, they, they don't need to chase a permanent deal if I've got him in loan to January but you'd be speaking to Cardiff to ask permission to speak to Declan John these representatives to then thrash out a, a pre-contract so that come next summer you get him in get him in on a free um, and certainly the games that he's played so far I think he showed up really well, particularly the Hamilton game. And I just think for Rangers, if you have him and Lee Wallace... And Beerman as well is a young player who's yeah, got talent. Yeah, but I think in Wallace and John, it then gives you two different but really strong left-backs. And I think Lee, Lee Wallace... I think Lee Wallace is a cracking player on his day, but he's not really had any competition or anyone pressing him for that jersey. And he'd have been watching that Hamilton game, Declan John's performance, you know, cutting in, scoring with his right foot, you know, getting forward at every opportunity. And you know, if you're a Rangers fan or if you're Pedro Cassini, I'd like to think when Wallace comes back, that would bring him on another notch, knowing he's got that competition. Yeah, I definitely think so. Scott, we're going to go back 10 years. When Rangers beat Lyon in France, probably the greatest result that any Scottish team has had in the Champions League, I would say. Maybe with the exception of Celtic against Barcelona, yep. but yep. I think away against Lyon, we were so strong at that point. It was certain, certainly up there. Um, what are your memories of that game? just remember watching it on the TV and being probably like everyone watching it, st- stunned by the, 
the scoreline uh, and how well Rangers played that night. Uh, how easy they get their goals. I mean, it was good goals, but I mean, uh, no, you wouldn't expect to get you know, get those type of goals as you say against a Leon side of that caliber. Um, I mean, I, I looked at the obviously it's been online and stuff, and I was looked looked at a team sheet for the game and just a wee thing but I seen that, that Hatton Ben Arfa for instance was on the bench for, for Leon that night I know they did a lot about what stars playing in the starting lineup, but you ain't a guy with his talent you know, to be on the bench for them it kind of showed you how strong Leon were at that time Benzema was there wasn't he ben, was, uh, yeah. well, he scored a hat trick in the return game uh-huh. didn't he at Ibrooks, uh, which was the reverse 3-0 um, so it was an unbelievable performance on the night for Rangers but Walter Smith with that squad as we know now had, had something special going you know, in terms of in terms of the team spirit and that that they had and, and you know, so tactically aware yeah. at, at what, what an actual exactly <laughs> uh, but I mean it didn't at that time um, the, the opposition didn't really matter to Rangers you felt as if going in you know, Walter Smith would come up with a would come up with a plan for it I mean I remember going Remember, you'll know better if it was the same campaign. But it was around that time they bet a Man United and get a nil nil, get a nil nil draw. That was, the, I think, that was the next year. Is that a bit, that was oh, a bit no, well, it wouldn't be the next year because they. It was the year after. It was two years later. Right, but, but they played that night. I mean, it was like five centre backs. They played. Yeah. It was like off the top of my head. It was like Broadfoot, Weir. Uh, they spoiled the game. Papa, they yeah. totally killed the yeah. killed the game. Um, but get a nil nil at Old Trafford. So just try to make the point. Whatever the opposition, no Walter Smith with that squad they had felt they could do a job on teams, and they certainly did a job on on Leon that night. Uh, I, it was it was incredible. I thought it was remarkable looking back just at that campaign that the opening three games Rangers beat Stuttgart Ibrox. Um, the one Dar- in penalty. That's right, Charlie. yeah, and Charlie Adams scored that scored, beautiful yeah. curling goal. And then they beat Lyon 3 0, and then they drew at Barcelona, you know, in Bar- sorry, in Ibrox against Barcelona. That was Messi, Henri, and, and, and that was the, the famous Messi anti football claim. Wasn't it, it was, yeah. Um, so they only had to get one more win, but they lost the next three games. Oh, no. Um, no. So it was, a, it was a, sort of quite a strange campaign, and then obviously went on to reach the UEFA Cup. Cup final. So a couple of those players I just wanted to touch on with you. The first one is Daniel Kuzan. A player on his day, to me, looked like a £15 million player. He was. But he had one day in 15 games. So frustrating. Wasn't he? I mean, was it even the night in Fiorentina he got sent off that yeah. night, didn't he? He stuck the head final. on someone, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, I mean, it looked as if he was going to cost Rangers, it might cost Rangers a place in the EFA Cup for him. That, that kind of summed him up. On his day, it was brilliant for him. I mean, when you think of, when you look back... He had all the attributes, as you say, you look at centre forwards now, he had all the attributes, he had power, pace, strength, an eye for goal, decent in the air. He was a great signing for Rangers yeah. at that time. It was only a million quid. Aye, but, but he probably just didn't produce. It seemed like it was a mental, a mentality thing with him. Yep. Yeah. I don't know what the what was the word coming out of the club at the time about him, because... I'm not sure. Um but you're right, he didn't play as much as he, sh- as he should have done. Um, yeah. Because he probably had... Uh, he was probably better equipped than Darcheville at that time you know, for what, what Rangers needed. And he showed that that night in Leon. But whereas Darcheville did have a great attitude, I think, in terms of his work rate and his commitment and stuff like that, um, 
Kuzan wasn't like that. He always felt as if he was a wee bit of a loose cannon, uh, which Rangers probably didn't need at that time. The way Walter was setting that team up, you know, they needed a grafter in, in the number nine position. Um, and Kuzan quite often didn't give them that, even though he, he probably had more quality. I remember at the time he came out in the press afterwards and said he had a point to prove. He was angry about the way he'd been portrayed in French football. Right. Um, and I remember the, the other game that he performed incredibly well in was when he absolutely ragdolled Gary Caldwell and Steve McManus at Parkhead. Oh, I mean, he, yeah. he, he bullied them in a way that I've not... Was that, what game was that? Was that the... 4-2? Pedro Mendes? Yeah, Pedro Mendes strike. And uh, he totally bullied them that day. And I remember he sort of said that he'd been dropped and he was annoyed and Ali McCoy went in and, and had a word with him and said, yeah. you know, you're you're going to be playing. And he was really wanting to do it for, for Ali McCoy. And when he scored that goal, he ran straight to Ali McCoy and celebrated only That's with right. Ali McCoy. Right. And I always thought, you know, that if he could just take that mentality and channel it, he'd yeah. be a premiership player. And of course, be. he went down to Hull and I think he played a couple of good games against like yeah. Arsenal and players That's like that right. as well. But then didn't, That's he, right. didn't, he, didn't he bother his backside in the, in the weekends? He was your kind of typical, almost like kind of cult hero, wasn't he? Like you knew that he had it in him, he produced, and when he did produce, it was brilliant to watch, but it just didn't happen yeah. often enough. So it must have been, I mean, Walter Smith must have been pulling his hair out with him, knowing the talent he had um, at his disposal and yet, so often he just couldn't, he couldn't get out. Yeah. What about Demarcus Beasley? That was he was another player that. Um, he's still playing just now. He is, aye. Left back, I believe. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 I mean, talking about left attacking left backs, he's a wee guy for a left he back. He is, aye. I wouldn't. I'd, I'd fancy my chances at a back post against <laughs> him. Uh, he's had more international comebacks, I think, than anybody. I think I'm right in saying he's. He's like quit the US national team about three times. No, no quit, but he's kind of retired almost for international football. But they keep asking him to go to go back eventually. Um, yeah. So fair play to him for still going. I'm not sure what age he is now. But he must be in his late 30s. Uh, I mean, fair play to him to, to still be able to play in the MLS and the US national team, having changed position. Uh, and I'm surprised because, as you say, I mean, he's, he's not got a pick on him. Demarcus is he so for him to, to go back and play in defence uh, I'm quite surprised but he was another one that to me my, my memories of him are just of producing the goods sporadically no yeah. he, he couldn't get a he couldn't get a run of games from him whether it be injury or a loss of form I don't think Walter I don't think Walter Smith really trusted him enough to play to play in some big games although he obviously played in the Leon game um, but listen, the guy had a you know, great calibre, uh, you know, great pedigree, sorry, um, and has done it at a, at a good level. Um, and again, a, another kind of kind of cult hero almost from that from that kind of era, you know, that that kind of UEFA Cup final era, if you like, along with along with Cousin, and obviously they get the goals, they get the goals that night in, in Leon. In terms of looking back at that squad and the achievement of getting to the UEFA Cup final, do you think that is something that could be achieved again in the Europa League by anyone in, in Scottish football going forward? Or do you think those days are are now past us? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I, mean, I think if Celtic, if Celtic finish third in their, their Champions League group and go into the Europa League this season, I think Brendan Rodgers would fancy his chances of holding their own against a lot of teams in that that competition I mean it then boils down to getting a bit of luck in the, in the draw 
you don't want a team like Manchester United were last year where they're focusing on the UEFA. Exactly. Because a, a big mega club like that, they have the resources and yeah. the quality of player. Just you, to, you also don't want tricky ties. Kazakhstan and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, like that. If you can avoid that and and get like, you know, like your Rosenbergs, for, for instance, who Celtic have already, have already beaten this season. You know, if you can get a couple of the ties and just build a wee bit of momentum, um, I don't see any reason. I, I actually think... If Celtic do finish third, Brendan will look at that and think we can we can get a run mm. in this competition with a wee bit of luck. I think they've got the squad. You would assume that they'll be well ahead in the league here. So maybe on the Sunday they can they can give a few players a rest and and actually properly focus on the on the Europa League and try and you know try and put a run together. Yeah, so it's uh, it's more yeah, achievable potentially. Just like be, be a different style to Walters Rangers team, right enough. Definitely. No. I mean, that team at the time, I think, was actually undervalued yeah. um, based on what's come since. Because I remember at the time, a lot of people were like, "Oh, you know, it's grim, it's grim to watch at times." But you remember back to Alan Hutton going down that wing. He was sensational at the time. You know, um, Carlos Cuella was a great. Great defender and David Weir was superb. Yeah. I, 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 I suppose you do associate that team with its defensive qualities because even Alan McGregor had some incredible saves. Barry Ferguson was an attacking player, and I don't think that's his best position personally. Yeah. I mean, but Hemdani and Thompson. I mean, if you're wanting two screen midfielders yeah. who don't let anything pass you, he was a strange one, Brahim Hemdani, because he retired the next year at 29. It's like him and uh, it was as if him and Sasa Papa. It's just like quit football when they left Rangers I don't think any of them kind of played on much after. I think Sasa had had the really really bad head injury right, and was course. always had that in the background where he wasn't 100% sure yep. um, and I think he had a few other injuries but I, I agree with you he was very young yeah um, but, but that team was just you know, they had good quality your Fergusons and Thompsons and that yeah. but let's be honest they were renowned for being difficult to beat yeah. being solid and being organised and you no, know, not giving anything away. They proved that night in Leon that they did. They did have another side. In fact, they proved that whole campaign that they had another side to their game, and they could counter attack and and hit teams in the break. Um, but I do remember the Fiorentina games, you no know, semi final that both legs. I mean, they were so filled with tension. I mean, the, the game at Ibrox was nil nil. I don't think I, I don't think there was a chance in the game. I mean, no, there was, it was barely a chance. It was so so tight. Um, but that's what that Rangers team were all about, and you can never take it take it away from that. That was an unbelievable achievement. That that second leg against Fiorentina, I don't think I've seen a team crush another team nil nil like yeah. Fiorentina did to Rangers that night. And then you just kind of felt because of that it was inevitable Rangers would go through in penalties yeah. because Fiorentina just looked. I mean, you had Christian Vieri putting them over the that's bar right. from three yards out or that's, something like that. Right. It was just absolutely incredible. They, they had a good team at that point. They did as well. A lot of guys at Italian internationals and that now or have been the last couple of years. So it was a huge achievement when you think of since then. You're saying it's only ten years ago. When you think about what's happened at Rangers and the time in between, it's it almost seems like a bygone era now. When you think about that that famous UEFA Cup run. Okay, Scott, that's all from us this week. We'll be back next Wednesday from 4pm. If you want to get in touch with us, you can. I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane and Scott is Scott, Scott McDermott. McDermott. Yeah, I even know that now off by heart. 
Don't forget to subscribe at iTunes or Audioboom to get the podcast as soon as it becomes available. And if you liked it, please review and rate us on there too. Thanks for listening. Your body is your mind, use your mind, let your mind